The Free For All Roundtable. Round two. On round two, let's say good morning to Tamara Cherry from Pickup Communications. Uh, Principal at BroadwayStrategy.com is Bob Reed. He's also here on Fridays on the Jerry Agar Show to offer his hit feature, which is called Touchdowns and Fumbles. And uh, Lindsay Broadhead is here, Strategic Communications and Public Affairs Advisor. Sorry to dally in introducing you all, but I was trying to call up my topic sheet so we wouldn't get lost. Here we go. (laughs) Eglinton Crosstown, WT. Uh, Bob, I don't even know if this qualifies as a fumble so much as an entire squandered season. Oh, it's it's so beyond all of that. Uh, you know, sadly, I think we've become accustomed to big infrastructure projects running over budget and over time to a degree. But this is ridiculous. This is now Olympic Stadium level white elephant debacle. The fact that this thing is sitting there, and and it's especially galling uh, in in the areas uh, that are at street level because you can drive by and see the tracks are done, the platforms are done, everything. Everything's finished, everything's ready to go, and now we're told, yet we still don't know when it's going to open. Like, how is that even possible? How, how is there such lax accountability, it seems, that there aren't specifics built into the contracts that if it's not open by this point, here's the penalty. Here's exactly how much more you guys are going to pay in, uh, in, in penalties because, because you, haven't, you haven't gotten your stuff together. These are the kinds of, of, of things that are driving all of us as taxpayers and transit users crazy, I think, because the reason reason people have these jobs, and remember the CEO of Metrolinx is in line for a very substantial, yet another substantial uh, salary increase, the reason they have these jobs and make this much money is because they're supposed to be able to manage things like this, get them fixed, and get them happening. So something is seriously, seriously wrong on a, on, on a macro level. But John, bear with me very quickly. Sure. Here's a micro example as well of, of what drives people crazy. Uh, I I live two blocks off of Eglinton, so I get updates from from Metrolinx on on the construction that's that's happening in different places. So a very recent notice, outside of a completely finished station where the tracks are underground, it's all done. Everything's been done for months. The concrete, the glass, the steel, everything's in finished. We get a notice. We're going to install planter boxes outside this station. Well, that's a lovely idea. <laughs> This will involve chipping using an excavator and jackhammers to remove concrete and hardened material. This must have been in the blueprints, the planter boxes. I don't think somebody woke up two weeks ago and said, hey, here's an idea. Let's bust up the concrete and put in planter boxes. So it's that kind of thing, you know, filling back in the hole that's already been dug and then and then emptying it out again that drives people crazy at a micro level as well. This whole thing has been screwed beyond. Tamara, um, I was citing this morning that 98% apparently of this entire project is done. So it's kind of like when you're downloading software and you get to that last 2% uh-huh. and it never finishes. Oh, exactly. Honestly, so you know I don't live in Toronto. I'm here, like I'm in Toronto right now, but I'm here right quite a bit. But just as an outsider, I am so frustrated for people who live along and Eglinton and who would use this Eglinton Crosstown for businesses there. This honestly feels like 
I am, you know, I have my kids coming to me over and over again, but my, my, my siblings doing this, but they're doing this. And I'm just wanting to say, shut your mouth, go, <laughs> go to your room, figure it out and come to me with a solution. I don't want to hear about any more of this crap until you have figured it out. Like this is absolutely absurd. I don't understand what it is about businesses and, you know, you know, government funded agencies that are in transit. This is reminding me back to, you know, whatever year it was when Bombardier had all the delays with the Spadina streetcars. It's like, just figure it out, get your crap together and then come to us. Okay. So Lindsay Broadhead, do we need the mom approach to this then? Well, I think everything benefits from the mom approach, (laughs) uh, frankly. Um, But yeah, this is like, it's almost a weaponization of the skills um, against the public, right? Like you, you should not be able to say, oh, you know, something's wrong. We're just going to withhold everything that we've promised so that you don't get your project. Um, there needs to be smarter thinking in the actual procurement process so that whoever's in charge can say, that's what you're doing? Okay, you're gone. Like, frankly, John, I'm happy to get in there with a shovel and get this done. I Mm. I took my mom to a doctor's appointment. Young and Eglinton used to be my stomping ground. What an utter gosh. It's nuts. You can't walk. Like, you know, she has a cane. The whole thing was crazy. And, you know, I I want businesses there to thrive, um, that area to return to the center of energy that it can be. Um, and what this project is holding all of that potential back, it's an absolute crime. Lindsay, can I just point out, you may have just handed Brad Bradford his idea for his next vir- viral video. Go to Edmonton go. with a shovel and get and, digging. Yeah, well, I, I, why not? Like, let's do it. And yeah. Brad, you can quote me. Uh, I won't be on TikTok, <laughs> but you can quote me. Yeah. Okay. No, I was at that intersection just last week and I thought, what the, what an absolute freaking mess this is. And it's been that way for five years. And I can only imagine, I guess one of the reasons why all of us are boiling with frustration here is that we're just embarking on another major infrastructure project. So we know that for the next 10 years, the construction of the Ontario line is going to be just as much of a nightmare as this has been. Uh, speaking, oh, based based on this, make it make it 15 or 18 years. Yeah. yeah, I know. It's getting to the point where I won't be alive when some of this stuff ends. Uh, okay, so let's listen, speaking of Brad Bradford, to a moment from the mayor's debate. And actually, Bob, i got to start with you because this is right near wheelhouse. Uh, Brad Bradford, I guess, thought he was telling a story that was going to resonate. It was about the unaffordability of finding a place to live in Toronto, but everybody's making fun of him now. My best friend, Paul, he lives in our basement. He makes a good middle-class income, pays a thousand bucks a month rent. He can't afford to live anywhere else. He can't afford to move. Okay. I mean, it's a very real living example, but I guess some people in round one, for example, were saying part of the problem would be how earnest Brad Bradford is about everything. So it just sounds like a sitcom moment, but Bob, your thoughts. There is a giggle factor there for some reason that 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 that, that I've I've fallen victim to as as well. I think it's just the way he says that he lives in our basement, you know, <laughs> rather than rather than we have a basement apartment and we rent yeah. it to my friend or you know phrasing it something that way. So I I, th- I think maybe that's that's at the at the heart of the the giggle factor on it. Um, and but secondly. Uh, it's it's a good personalized anecdote, right? Humanizing uh, a much bigger 
macro problem that exists for so many people across the city. And also, I'm going to give him points on this regard. I think it was a good disclosure for him. Mm-hmm. It, this was a way for him to put that information out there and prevent a potential aha moment because you can bet that at some point down the road, if one of his opponent's campaigns caught wind of this and he's talking about anything to do with landlords or housing or anything like that, it would be, aha, did you know Brad Bradford is a landlord? Did you know he's charging someone to live in his house? So this this is just an easy uh, opportunity to lance that, get that that out there, not that it's scandalous by any degree, but to prevent uh, that down the road. So I give him points on that, actually. Okay, and Lindsay Broadhead, I, I suspect part of the reaction is that we're getting a little jaundiced about candidates saying, I met Sylvia on my way into mm-hmm. the studio today, and she told me, you know, th- these kinds of stories don't work as well as they used to. Yeah, I, I, frankly, on this one, I'm taking a far less cynical approach. Yeah. Like My working assumption is that he and his best buddy talked about this ahead of time. Um, and I think it's good for his brand, frankly, like parking the the cynical Twitter world aside. Um, it's building on his brand as kind of a, a working guy um, who's community orientated, uh, family orientated. I think it's in the long run, um, a good painting of a picture in a time where these these candidates i was going to say characters almost but these candidates have to distinguish themselves from one another that just painted you know building on everything bob was saying that painted an excellent illustration of who he is at his core uh whereas the others haven't had that opportunity okay listen with permission tomorrow i want to vault to another topic altogether um but your thoughts on the idea that a poll finds a third of canadians think it's okay to have assisted suicide for homeless people i think that this the headline on this and and much of the story that we read on this john oversimplifies things to a great degree what i would say is who are we to say and you know we've already failed these people in so many ways if we can't get our crap together and provide them the services that they need to meet lead a meaningful life then who are we to say no you must continue to suffer in this ridiculous situation that we have created for you this is an incredibly nuanced situation and i I just I and I know I know some of my fellow panelists, maybe Bob will disagree with me on this, but I think that until we can create a world where people can lead meaningful lives and they don't want to die by suicide, then we need to be offering them at least the dignified uh, alternative to to going another way. And I'll, and I'll just say, John, I was just having a conversation with somebody last night who lives in a very low income Toronto neighborhood and who is sharing the story of one of her neighbors who did end up dying by suicide. And I think that that his story would have would have matched this if he would have if he would have gone to a doctor that he maybe he would have qualified for maid, but he had been somebody who had been failed by the system and he ended up having to die by suicide in a very undignified way. So there you go. We'll have to call it there. So, Bob Reed, we'll find out another day what you Sorry, Bob. No worries. <laughs> We're at a runway, but my thanks. Bob Reed, Tamara Cherry, Lindsay Broadhead. Uh, just before I surrender the microphone, Jerry Agar is on his way into the studio to take over, obviously. But um, please do visit our website, Newstalk1010.com. Take in the picture of Nathan, this missing 37-year-old man, and let's find him before lunch. Catch the roundtable, round one at 7.45, round two at 8.45. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.